You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode being brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. Four months ago today, December 5th, Gonzaga and Baylor had their one versus 2 matchup in Indianapolis canceled because of COVID. From then, we wondered, what if? They've been the best two teams in the country all year. They were separated by a single point in the preseason AP pool. Here we are, four months later, and the what if will finally get answered. Gonzaga and Baylor playing for the national championship with the winner getting their first title in school history. Perfection is on the line for Gonzaga. It's the most anticipated national title game in years, and we finally get it tonight, 620 Pacific on CBS. Today on the pod, we'll preview that game with Garrett Ross from Locked On Baylor. The two of us will ask each other questions, the biggest questions from each other's teams, and how each team can can attack the other, and who has the biggest advantages and why. But first, some really quick news and notes before we get into all that. Gonzaga baseball, they got a three-game sweep over the weekend uh, over Pacific. They had two shutouts on Thursday and Friday, and then a 2-1 to victory on Saturday. They're 7-2 in the WCC standings. They're alone in second place, one game ahead of Portland and San Francisco. San Diego is still atop the standings at 5-1 after playing a non-conference opponent this weekend. The Gonzaga will now host uh, St. Mary's this coming weekend. First, they're playing at Oregon State for the next two nights, and they have a first pitch tonight at Oregon State at 5.30 p.m., which is the most unfortunate timing to have a baseball game when your basketball team is playing for the national championship. Good luck to the baseball team. Uh, Hopefully they've got the game on in the clubhouse and are paying attention to it or something. Spokane's own Lexi and Lacey Hall are national champions. Stanford beat Arizona 54-53. The Hull Twins won the high school national championship at Central Valley a couple years back, and now they are national champions at the NCAA level. Anton Watson is going to look to join them tonight and give the Greater Spokane League three NCAA National Champions in 24 hours. And last, let's go through a quick stat blast with some just extra stuff coming out of the Gonzaga-UCLA game that we can close the book on that and move on to Baylor tonight for the National Championship. Here we go. UCLA shot 57.6%, committed just 10 turnovers, and they held Gonzaga to seven made threes. In games this season prior to the semifinals, teams that shot at least 55%, committed 10 or fewer turnovers, and held their opponent to seven or fewer made threes were 98-1. UCLA can put one in the loss column. It's now 98-2. UCLA shot 68%. They were 17 for 25 from mid-range. It's the best mid-range performance in any tournament game since 2010. Gonzaga and UCLA combined to shoot 58.2% combined, the highest combined field goal percentage in a Final Four game since the 1985 National Championship game, which was Villanova and Georgetown. They shot 63% combined. 19 lead changes in the game. The largest lead was seven. There was no more than six unanswered points the entire game. Gonzaga was never allowed to go on a run, and it was out of the 45 minutes played, it was either a one or two score game 
for 43 minutes and 51 seconds, which is absolutely nuts. UCLA and Gonzaga joined the 2016 North Carolina Villanova Classic as the only two Final Four games since 1985 to feature multiple game-tying or go-ahead shots in the final five seconds. The game tied with 19 lead changes, the most in any NCAA tournament game this year. And finally, Drew Timmy. Can't say enough about Drew Timmy in this tournament. He has scored 82 paint points. 82 points in the paint in this NCAA tournament. That's the most by any player in any NCAA tournament since 2010, and he still has one game to go. Speaking of that game, coming up, Garrett Ross from Locked On Baylor talks with me as we preview tonight's national championship. If you want to bet on that national championship game, Gonzaga is a four and a half point favorite. BetOnline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. College basketball is in the national championship. The NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Gonzaga and Baylor play for the national championship tonight. The winner will earn their first title in school history. Stephen Carr from Locked On Zags, Garrett Ross from Locked On Baylor, here to preview the game for you. Garrett, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, Gonzaga, they've faced some great defenses this year, and it really hasn't mattered. Uh, They're the best uh, they beat the best two-point defense in the country when they faced USC. And then again on Saturday, they shot 71% inside the arc against UCLA. What gives you confidence that Baylor can be the one to slow that down? I think for me, the, the first thing I'm going to have to uh, go to is Davion Mitchell. When you look at Davion Mitchell, he has won just about every defensive award that you can offer in the nation this year. Um, I think he is the difference maker in this matchup. It's something He gives like an extra element um, to, to guys that Gonzaga hasn't seen before. Uh, they, they're still going to be – I'm looking forward to the matchup between him and Suggs, but I feel like he's the, the key to what separates Baylor's defense from other defenses in the nation. Baylor is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. One of the trade-offs that kind of comes with that is that the numbers say that they're average in terms of transition defense, and the number one goal in playing Gonzaga is to slow them down in transition. So do you think Baylor will alter anything when it comes to offensive rebounding to kind of limit those transition opportunities for Gonzaga? They're going to have to do something because that's, that's one of the, the key elements that Scott Drew is focusing on is how to slow down that transition. I believe Gonzaga is averaging 25 points a game in transition. So uh, I don't know if it's more of a, a, a rebound by committee or what they're going to do, but they're definitely going to have to change up something and try to get, because that's been one of their weaknesses this season has been in the paint. So they're going to have to get more production from your guys off the bench and Jonathan Chomachachua to have a big game like he did last time to counter that. And hopefully that can keep uh, Gonzaga out of the transition. Speaking of the paint, Drew Timmy seems to be Gonzaga's biggest advantage in this game. What do you think Baylor's game plan is going to be going against them? 
Man, he's such a special player that it's it's hard to really draw up a game plan for him. But for Baylor to be successful with Timmy, I, I think this is going to be one of those games where they have to utilize their fouls. And what I mean by that is you're going to have to take Mark Vidal's five fouls, Flo Thamba's, Jonathan Chumachachua's, and you're going to have to use those 15 fouls smartly throughout the game to slow him down and maybe try to force him to beat you from the line uh, instead of going into the paint where he's uh, been most successful all season long. In my opinion, Baylor's likely going to need 75 points at least to win the game, uh, even on Gonzaga's worst night. Even if they hold Gonzaga to low 70s, so they're going to need 75. Is there any way Baylor wins this game if they don't hit double-digit threes? That's a really good question. I I think if they can slow Gonzaga's transition down, then yes. If they can't, though, then it's going to be really difficult. And the thing with Baylor is – They'll be spotty. They could be spotty at times with their shooting. So you saw Davion Mitchell come out and have a good night uh, in that game over Houston where he didn't have one the night before. Uh, One thing to keep an eye on is, though, in that matchup with Houston, Macy Oteague was silent. And the trend for these Baylor guards all year has been if one of them has an off night, that next go around, they're going to light you up. I think you're going to need consistent production from all three of those guards on the outside, as well as production from Adam Flagler and Matthew Meyer. If you do not get that, though, it's going to be a long night for the Bears as far as trying to slow Gonzaga down. All right, last question. You mentioned Mitchell earlier. Besides him, who is the biggest X factor for Baylor in this game? I'm going to say, man, you know what? I'm going to say probably Jonathan Chumachachua. He's played his best basketball over these past two games. Uh, when you look at what he did last night against Houston, or the, yeah, against Houston in that game, he was successful in the paint. They had a lot of uh, they, they were doing a lot of high pick and rolls to him in the middle. They took advantage of that. And when he went to the free throw line, he almost didn't miss, which is real rare when you see big guys because a lot of the times they, uh, for whatever reason, big guys struggle from the line. But he was been very efficient there. I think if you can get him to play smart ball and you can get him to own up on the defensive end and slow down some of that production from Drew Timmy, I think Jonathan Chomachakajua could be the X factor for Baylor. Before we continue, and Garrett asks me a bunch of questions about Gonzaga, let me talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. They're perfect for keto diets. We just went through an incredible Built Bar madness where coconut brownie chunk beat out cookie dough chunk to become the Built Bar champion. But those aren't the only great-tasting flavors. There are over 20 incredible flavors that are all soft, easy to chew, and healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. It's great for those looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The Cookies and Cream Bar, for example, has 17 grams of protein and only 170 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. It's April, and the Locked On NFL Network of Podcasts is shifting into draft mode. Tune in April 19th through the 23rd for the ultimate 2021 mock draft featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Mike Lombardi. Find out who trades up, who trades back, and who selects the next young star. Stay tuned for more info about where you can find the ultimate 2021 mock draft. 
Welcome back into this Locked On special. I'm Garrett Ross from Locked On Baylor here with Stephen Carr of Locked On Gonzaga. In the first segment, we talked about uh, we were talking about the matchup, and Stephen had some questions for me. This time, I'm going to hit Stephen with some questions. So, you, Stephen, you ready to roll? Glad to do this. All right, man. So, does the amount of energy that the Zags exerted last night in that game with UCLA put them at a disadvantage at all with the short turnaround with this to the national championship? Yeah, that's really interesting. I I don't think the physicality necessarily is going to be a problem. I think that game was a lot more finesse than it was physical. But I think the emotional exhaustion uh, from a mental side uh, is probably the thing that they have to overcome more than anything else just because of the, the way that they finished that game and the, the emotion and the buzzer beater and all that kind of stuff. So they had to, you know, take four hours celebrate and then get right back to it today baylor had a lot easier time where they could watch they can enjoy they say okay that was a cool game now let's get ready but i mark few has been pretty good at doing that his entire career just moving on to the next game gonzaga has been pretty good at that all season long so um i don't think it's a huge concern uh, but it is certainly something to monitor if they come out slow uh, on monday night so from a depth perspective how does how do you see gonzaga matching up with the depth that baylor has yeah, I, I think Baylor's got an eight-man rotation and Gonzaga's got a seven-man rotation. And both teams essentially have five players who can score 20 on a given night. And then Baylor's got three guys who are you know, defensive and rebounding role players. And Gonzaga's got two players that are defensive slash uh, rebounding role players. So Baylor's basically got one extra guy. Uh, it happens to be a center. Um, but I, I think their depth is actually fairly equal um it's just uh, baylor's got more um guard i guess they've got more guard scoring depth than gonzaga does um because they've got basically five that can go off and gonzaga's essentially got three so gonzaga's priority in this game is to run all five of those guys off the three-point line and we'll see if they can actually do that Hey, speaking, speaking of those guards, uh, how does Gonzaga go about slowing down that trio that you have, Mitchell, Macy Oteague, and Jared Butler? Well, I think the the biggest key to me in this game is what they do, what Gonzaga does in ball screen coverage, because they switched everything pretty much all year long. Um, and when they do that, they get Drew Timmy sometimes on the guards, and he didn't play very well against Oklahoma going up going up against Austin Reeves, and they kind of had to change their ball screen coverage. But when he played against USC, he was excellent going against their guards. And for the most part last night, and again against Creighton, he was decent. But it scares me having Drew Timmy on a switch going one-on-one with either Mitchell or Butler or Teague, um, and just their ability to shoot pull-up jumpers and pull-up threes. Like he, They can hit those in his face all night long. Um, and I think that's what worries me more than anything else in this game is if Drew Timmy isn't if, – if Drew Timmy of the Oklahoma game plays instead of the Drew Timmy of the USC game plays defensively, I think Gonzaga could have issues and they're going to have to switch up the defensive coverages and ball screens. Well, speaking of Timmy, uh, Baylor could be suspect at time in the, in the paint. I, that's something that I've seen from them uh, a lot this season. With that being said, how much of this offense do you think uh, Gonzaga is going to run through Drew Timmy in the middle to take advantage of that? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I think that's the one clear advantage they have in this game is Drew Timmy. Um, Paul Thamba, I don't think can guard him. Mark Vial can't guard him. I don't think Chama Chachua can guard him much either. Nobody's been able to guard him. 
mean, if Evan Mobley couldn't guard him, nobody in this tournament's going to be able to guard him one-on-one. So um, they're going to make a concerted effort to get him the ball early and often. Um, they don't necessarily run a ton of post isolations for him. A lot of his touches come uh, in either ball screens or ball screen throwbacks and like triangle action. Uh, but I think they're going to try to get him the ball early if they can get, uh, especially if they can get vital into foul trouble. Um, Cause I think he can be a huge X factor for them and they can just kind of go Timmy one-on-one with uh, Chama Chachua and, and Thamba instead of vital. Um, I think that would be good, but I think they're going to get the ball to him early and often and as much as possible. How excited are you to watch this matchup between Davion Mitchell and Jalen Suggs? Uh, it has the potential to be the best matchup of the entire tournament. Uh, Mitchell has played himself seemingly into a lottery pick. Jalen Suggs is going to be a top five, maybe top three pick in the draft. They're two elite talents. Um, Suggs is unbelievably explosive off the bounce. Mitchell, like you said earlier, is Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think you can ask for much more. Uh, in a guard matchup in a national championship. Last thing I have for you, win or lose, how will this season be remembered for the Zags? Well, it's, it's hard not to say that the Jalen Suggs shot will be what uh, the season is remembered by, but I, I just think the the team, um, like this this is an actual team. Like the motion that they they run, the cutters, the passing, like the unselfishness. I mean, you've heard it from you know, national analysts all season long, just how well they pass the ball, how well they cut, how well they move, and it's every single person on the roster. So I think the unselfishness and the amount of just team game uh, that this team has played with and the genuine love that they seem to have for one another will be remembered uh, more than anything else. And obviously it would be nice to cap that off with a national championship. All righty. Thank you again to Garrett for his time helping me preview tonight's game. Here is some final words from me. Baylor is so good. They are really, really, really good. But I think more things have to go right for Baylor to win this game than for Gonzaga to win this thing. I think Baylor has to hit double-digit threes, and I'm not sure how much longer Corey Kispert can stay cold. Um, Baylor, if you don't know... You can go to uh, my website, my pinned tweet. I've got a full preview with a whole bunch of words and videos. But Baylor's defense has the same no-middle defensive principles that the Texas Tech team did uh, that beat Gonzaga and caused them all sorts of trouble in the 2019 tournament. And it's incredibly, incredibly challenging to attack it. This Gonzaga team has better guards than that Gonzaga team. It has better spacing, and it has better perimeter playmakers. They also have the best transition offense in the country, and I'm not sure Baylor can slow it down if they attack the glass as much as they do. If Gonzaga takes care of the basketball, because Baylor forces a ridiculous number of turnovers, and if Gonzaga rebounds the ball, they're going to win the game. If you want an official prediction from me, I am going to say Gonzaga wins the game 84-78. to I think Baylor needs to hit double-digit threes to win this game. If they don't, Gonzaga could win this thing going away. I see maybe no scenario in which Baylor wins this game by more than five or six points. I see a scenario where Gonzaga can win by double digits. Like I said earlier, more things have to go right for Baylor to win this game. They have to hit double-digit threes. 
They have to limit Gonzaga in transition, and they have to find a way to somehow slow down Drew Timmy. And to me, I said this in the interview, I said this on my article on my website, Drew Timmy is the most important person in this game, and it's not necessarily because of his offense, but because of his defense. If they're going to switch one through five with him on the court and he is going to match up one-on-one with Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Macy Oteague, and Adam Flagler, and Matthew Meyer, he is going to need to defend them, A, without fouling, B, without giving up a ton of pull-up threes. I think Gonzaga's best chance is to let all of these guys drive and don't help off of shooters because twos against Baylor – is not going to kill you, especially when you're Gonzaga and you can score twos religiously. What is going to kill you is if you help off their shooters and end up giving up 12 threes in this game. So I think Drew Timmy is the most important player in this game on both ends of the court, but especially defensively. I trust Gonzaga's guards. I trust their historic two-point efficiency to win out over Baylor's elite three-point shooting. I just hope we get a classic game. Because it's been the best two teams in the country all year. It's been the best two teams in the country over the last two years. They've been on a collision course for seemingly 18 months. And we just we deserve an all-time great game. Thank you again to Garrett Ross for his time. Don't forget, you can rate and follow Locked on Zags wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel like, feel free to leave a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Escargo. And you can follow the podcast at Locked on Zags. You know, whatever happens tonight, enjoy the absolute hell out of it. This has been one of my favorite seasons to follow of any of the teams that I root for. The Gonzaga community has been absolutely incredible this entire year, and it reminds us why we root for this school. We get 40 more minutes with this team, the greatest Gonzaga team of all time. It could be one of the greatest college teams of all time. It's been an unbelievable ride, and I don't want it to end, and I know you don't want it to end. But tonight, it must end on the biggest stage under the brightest lights. To quote Jake Taylor in Major League, I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole damn thing. See you tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.